Hello everyone, and welcome to the show where the struggle is as eternal as the traffic on 495. My name is Christy. And my name is Illumide. And this is the Big Empty Purse podcast. Let us not forget, because I had forgotten, that the thing they were going to that planet to try and get was called Unobtainium. All of that money going into that movie, and the writers couldn't come up with something better than Unobtainium? <laughs> unobtainium! <laughs> Fuck me! Seriously? I forgot that! <laughs> <laughs> episode i couldn't tell you let me just say i've been dissociating nothing has gone the way i wanted to this month of january honestly though let me be very fair and say when this year started i was one of the people who was like let's all just walk very carefully carefully mm-hmm. into 2023 nobody touch shit nobody say shit nobody no new year's resolutions no mm-hmm. ride no, shut the fuck nope. up just nope. walk in sit down and be quiet because we don't know the bullshit that this year brings i was right <laughs> Because this year has brought some absolute fucking bullshit. I've been screaming the whole time. So at some point, I just started dissociating. So now, I have no idea what's happening in my life. My calendar tells me to start going that direction. I go in that direction. My calendar tells me to go back home. I go back home. Whatever it says on my calendar, I try to... My body's on autopilot. My brain is not there. Mm -hmm. And that's how I've been handling the past three weeks. So, um... Shout out, dissociation. Yeah. Next stop, psychosis. Full on 100% (laughs) psychosis. See, when I tell you, I can smell it. Before I could see it, now I could. It's so close. I could. I might be able to taste it at this point. So let's hope he doesn't get there because um, I don't have a therapist. Uh, <laughs> guys, send me thoughts and prayers. Actually, send us thoughts and prayers. But yeah. in terms of content, I also have not consumed much of any content. I think I watched the new season of Rick and Morty. It was good. They had one really good episode that I was screaming at, but the rest were just okay. Like, they didn't gag me. Mm. I don't know if that's because I was dissociating and I didn't soak up all the rage they were giving. <laughs> but it was a good show, though. So this year is already going wild. I hope it gets better, but that's what I've been up to. Anyway, how about you, Christy? <laughs> what have you been up to since the last episode? Man, it's fucking rough out here. What is this? I hate it for us. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what we expect at this point, but man, the dissociation is real. The dissociation is real. It's like... I try and consume content. I'll like put in headphones and I'll like I'll listen to an album or a podcast or an audiobook and then I just walk around with my headphones in with nothing playing in them. <laughs> yeah, I tried to watch a movie last night and was like, I need something that is not going to stress my already extremely jangly nervous system, but I also need something that's going to hold my attention enough that I don't start thinking about the things I am trying to dissociate from. Exactly. Wait, so where where is this perfect movie? <laughs> Christy, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let you finish. I've eaten. <laughs> more melatonin gummies in the past week than I've eaten the rest of my life combined. <laughs> when I tell you I'm eating them like gummy worms now, I'm not kidding you. That's literally how bad it's gotten. And I still can't sleep. <laughs> no. Anyway, continue. I, I took uh, the express route to my day being ruined today. I had to call my insurance company. That's fun. <laughs> There's no faster way to ruin a day. None. <laughs> I mean, like any phone call really like... The price of one of my very common, very normal medications doubled, more than doubled. I have insurance. Uh, Insurance is meaningless, apparently. I don't know what insurance is or does anymore. And I called the insurance company. I was like, hey, uh, so this prescription for a really common thing 
that I've been taking for years uh, suddenly costs more than twice as much. What's up with that? And they were like, yeah, that's how much it costs. And I was like, okay, <laughs> cool. But like, why? What changed? And they were like, it's what it costs. And like, after spending a long time, the like most I could get out of them was that they said, I guess the retail price went up. I was like, why are you guessing? Why are you guessing? This is your job. You have all the information right there. I can guess. I didn't cut like, wh- none of it's good. None of it's good. Has your salary gone up by more than double? No, no. Welcome to America. Oh my God, my salary has, yeah, nope to all of it. Have you seen those TikTok memes? <laughs> I know you've seen them. The, we have people selling eggs like drug dealers because the price of eggs have gone way up. So yeah. now, like, everybody's screaming. There are people who are walking through grocery stores in New York City just showing, like, a pack of Oreos costing $15. And not, like, those jumbo double stuff. No, like, the regular small pack of Oreos. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, $15. Oh, yeah. Everything is so mad expensive, yo. And drug companies selling fucking generic drugs now are just wildin'. Completely wilding, and everybody's just like, oh, it's inflation. You shut the fuck up. Where are people supposed yep. to find the money? I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, I have to I have to grocery shop with my eyes closed. I can't. Like, I can't. I can't look at it. I just have to, like... And I don't... Yeah, I don't know where people are supposed to get the money. Like, on paper, my husband and I are, like, for our age and, like, where we are in life, like, we're, we're theoretically doing okay. And we're, like, stretching expenses. Like, what? 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 How is anyone alive? How have we all not just passed away i don't understand <laughs> i like when me and my coworkers talk about this because first of all all of them have like some form of home partnership where mm-hmm. their expenses are shared somehow and i'm always screaming every time i realize it because i'm mm. like you guys are complaining about expenses that are shared motherfucker mm-hmm. I want to cry. I want to fucking cry. Anyway, yeah, things are so expensive, yo. Also, having to talk to insurance for anything on top of things getting Mm. more expensive is just the pits of hell. Yes. If I were a judge (laughs) and I were sentencing somebody who was a pedophile and a murderer, I wouldn't even give them as part of their punishment the task of calling insurance companies. (laughs) I would be like, you know what? Death first. I just go ahead and die. Death first. Literally a fate worse than death. You did have one good moment several moments of catharsis uh my husband john and i took down and rearranged all of the art on our walls and like had some friends over to help us do it and had this great like being able to like take it all and like look at it at once realizing the things in our house that you you just get used to like seeing things Mm -hmm. and you don't even see them anymore we were like wow this is hideous or like wow this is very connecticut it's like why is this still in our house we can get rid of it we got rid of so many ugly throw pillows. We got rid of this clock that like each of us thought that the other one liked. And it turns out we both hate that fucking clock. <laughs> like, you don't like that? I don't like that. I thought you liked that clock. It was it was very nice. Our friend did uh, have to deliver a harsh truth to us about our guest bathroom. We were like looking at the whole thing. He was like, yeah, to be honest, that bathroom has always given me live, laugh, love vibes. And I was like, I am screaming. <laughs> That's really painful to hear. I see it now. And this bathroom does have live, laugh, love vibes. And that is not what I want in my home. Wait a minute. Have I been in your guest bathroom? Maybe. As soon as we looked at it with fresh eyes, we were like, oh. Yeah. So now we've like gotten rid of the things we don't like. And I think we're just going like fully unhinged. Like, because we got rid of everything in the guest bathroom. And we were like, we're going in the like overcorrecting. Right. We have a few decorations around our house now. They're like skulls or sugar skulls. I'm pretty sure we're about to like 
do an entire like Dia de los Muertos themed guest bathroom because I'm with it because we live we live here why not I don't want live laugh love Connecticut leftovers I want to go unhinged I don't care <laughs> what it doesn't matter nothing matters we live on a floating rock and I can fill my bathroom with skulls it doesn't matter despite my entire struggle I did consume some content but I watched the new Avatar movie in theaters I want to know what you think but I'm not going to act excited <laughs> <laughs> yeah the second Avatar movie mm. Mm. Yeah, I figured. I'm, I have I have strong feelings that a movie should not be longer than two hours. If it's longer than two hours, it should be more than one movie, or it should be a different medium. It should be a mini series. It should be a TV right. series. It should be multiple movies. A movie should not be more than two hours long. I really believe that. Actually, you know what? Let me just be controversial yet brave. I don't even believe you know this Broadway show where they're like we have three hours with an intermission in the middle. No, squeeze that shit into fucking ninety minutes. You should not have a three-hour Broadway play either. But besides the point, mm-hmm. please continue. People need heavier-handed editors, and uh, there was not an editor in sight. In sight, in this long-ass movie, it was so long. It was like three and a half hours long. It was so long. It didn't need to be that long. The plot was nothing there was like there was no plot there was not one moment that happened in the plot where i knew didn't know exactly what was coming next it was like entirely cliche nothing surprised me nothing was interesting it was beautiful that's like the why why we went to see it because it was very pretty and technologically advanced and and it was all of that like it was pretty to look at but i didn't need to look at it for three and a half hours right i would have appreciated having some kind of plot they really didn't bother and then they ended on like this weird cliffhanger and I didn't realize, I don't, I don't, I don't keep up with the news. I didn't realize that they're making three more of them. So I was like, this ended on such a random note. And my husband was like, there's three more. I was like, I don't want We don't want more. That. No. I don't want that. I don't want that. <laughs> this one was too much. I don't want more. I, there, there's not a single piece of this story that is compelling me to be, to go see the next one. I would have said that about the first one. After the first one, when they were like, oh, they're going to make a second one. I was like, no. No, I was like, <laughs> that's okay. That's fine. We really don't need a second. They still went full steam ahead and made this bullshit and cost them so much money. Mm-hmm. Shout out to James Cameron because like this must be his pet rock because he <laughs> will die on this hill. They're not good movies. Shout out the, uh, the Alamo Drafthouse Theater. Like before the credits, they put together these little packages of, um, and a lot of them are like, if it's sequel, they explain the previous movies. So they had like a, here's a reminder of what the plot of the first Avatar was. And it was so shady. And it was also just like, some of it didn't even need to be shady because the movie was so bad like let us let us not forget because i had forgotten that the thing they were going to that planet to try and get was called unobtainium unobtainium all of that money going into that movie and the writers couldn't come up with something better than unobtainium (laughs) unobtainium (laughs) fuck me seriously (laughs) (laughs) i forgot that Unobtainium. Ah, I'm dying. <sighs> and I went and gave them my money and watched three and a half more hours of the sequel to that. John liked it better than I did. He'll, he said he'll go see the next one. I'm not seeing the next one. I did, though, consume a content that I very much like and highly recommend, which is the new Star Wars show, Andor. Andor is the name of the main character, Cassian Andor. Like, it's actually a well-written interesting show good characters really compelling plot cool and well-imagined like visuals and like the like star wars aesthetic while like it does a really good job of all of the star wars things while also being a good show and not just relying on the star wars part yeah but cassian andor is basically like a person who becomes 
like becomes part of the resistance against the empire. Highly recommend. You know what? Um, I, I was watching an interview that Meryl Streep gave a, a few a few weeks ago, maybe even months ago. It might actually be years. Jeez, it might be a really long time now. But Meryl Streep was saying essentially that movies have been dumbed down to commercial products. Mm-hmm. So they want to create a movie that's a franchise. So the people who watch it and they will strip that movie of any story to do this because mm-hmm. the people who are producing the movie want to be able to sell you merchandise after the movie's done. They want you to go out and buy t-shirts. They want you to go buy go out and buy memorabilia. They want you to go out and buy all of these things. So in service of that, they will create the movie just to market the merchandise they're trying to sell. So nobody's really telling really fun stories oh, anymore. Yeah. So whenever I see that the, a movie or TV series is based on a franchise that has like that's <laughs> literally built to sell merchandise, I try not to just watch it for the sake of that. Mm-hmm. Unless it's Black Panther, because you, look, the day in the United States where we get to celebrate black mediocrity is the day we've achieved true equality. We can't be mm-hmm. out here only sele- selectively celebrating black excellence. So if we're going to make a shitty story for uh, Avatar 2, I'm going to go give my money to fucking Ryan Coogler for Black Panther 2. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm going yeah. to do it because... Are we going to play a game today? Are we going to play a game today? We are going to play a game today. We are going to play some trivia. It's been a minute since we got more than one right. <laughs> Let's hit it. Number one. What is a group of porcupines called? I have no clue. I feel like there's going to be something dumb like a prickle of porcupines. You know, you're right. A group of porcupines. These words for groups of... First of all, who comes up with these words for groups of animals? Like, who assigns these? Because we had a similar question to this uh, last season, which was, what is a group of zebras called? And we learned that it's a dazzle of zebras. I didn't even remember that. Or, like, there's, like, a murder of crows. Like, who who decide... What What's the governing body of names of groups of animals? It's not like one of the other questions where we could just guess a whole array of things. This, I have no clue. You can tell me it's a tray of porcupines or... A tray? I would know. Yeah. Yeah, it could literally be an unobtainium of, of porcupines. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call it a prickle. I feel like somebody thought that was cute. It's got some alliteration. I feel like whoever is doing these has some very silly sense of humor. What did you say? A, ba- a bag. I don't know. Let's a, bag a bag of porcupines. And I'm saying a prickle of porcupines. So the answer, a group of porcupines. Oh, I guessed it right. Is it a prickle? <laughs> it's a prickle. It's a prickle of porcupines. Ah! I guessed it right. <laughs> ah! Oh my god, out of all the stupid words. I'm so happy. I'm so happy you got that right. Oh, look at us go. The amount of serotonin. Because I, I genuinely was like, there's no way we're getting this right. <laughs> Question number two. What does the word Honolulu translate to? He's in the city in Hawaii. I do love the bread rolls. Um, <laughs> I want to say Little Island. Because hmm. I feel like some of those names are almost literal. I'm going to say it has something to do with island. Maybe Little Island, Middle Island, mm. East Island. Honolulu. I'm thinking... It's the capital city, so maybe it's something. Capital, central, whatever, whatever, whatever. Anything that I vaguely think is part of that theme, I'm going to count as a correct answer. So, Honolulu translates to sheltered harbor. We're taking that point. Mm. (laughs) We are taking this point. We are taking this point. Sheltered harbor, we're taking this point. Yeah, yeah. Harbors are on islands, and a shelter is like like a central thing. You, like, gather in the shelter. Yes. By the harbor on the island. <laughs> it sounds yes. like we got it exactly right to me. I'm taking this point. Nobody's going to get on here and tell me that I'm not taking this point. This point, we have it. Everyone's going to be reporting our podcast <laughs> for the wrong, <laughs> for giving ourselves wrong credit. <laughs> you five listeners better not. So we've gotten two out of three right. Watch. I don't mean to predict it, but we're also good. <laughs> we are also getting the third one right. All right. Question number three. How many rings come together to form the emblem of the Olympic Games? Is it? Oh, I was going to say four, but that's Audi. (laughs) 
I was thinking five, but I don't know if it's five or seven. I feel like it's an odd number. Yes. I feel like just because sort the of way they're stacked. Ring. Right. Odd number. You know what? If you take odd number, I'll take even number. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think in my head. Like, we've had a similar question. Like, what colors of Google are there? And we kind of went through oh, them yeah. mm-hmm. just from memory. And I'm trying to just picture it in my mind what the Olympic circles look like. Rings, whatever. My gut's saying five, but I don't. I'm going to say between zero and ten. <laughs> <laughs> zero rings. I think it's five, but we will go with there are ten or fewer Olympic rings. I think it's five. I think you're right, too, because I'm trying to think. They're staggered top, bottom, top, bottom, top. That's what I was thinking. Like, almost like an M shape. Right. Like, not actually an M, because it's much closer together, but like... Hey, I say less than ten. Okay. We'll say less than ten, tentatively five. So... How many rings come together to form the emblem of the Olympic Games? The answer is five. Hey, ah! let's see. We are going to have a great week coming ahead. I love it for us. 100% correct trivia answers. I am so proud of us. <laughs> Guessing Honolulu, We're right? Flawless. Prickle of oh. porcupines. Five <laughs> rings. Look at us. Look at us. So the topic we'll be discussing today is childhood dreams. I should say the topic we'll be rediscussing. Little peek behind the scenes, listeners. We recorded an episode on childhood dreams. Wasn't Simi on this episode when we recorded it the first time? She was. Ah, she yeah. was. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we had a guest in everything early in season two. And uh, you can record dozens and dozens of podcast episodes and still mess up your audio. Looking at myself here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so at long last, we circle back. Anyway, when you were younger... What was your childhood dream? So, like, the thing is, when people ask these questions, what they really mean is what job, what career did you want to have when you were a kid? But I'm assuming the way you meant it is just in general, because, first of all, that's a way more interesting question. And two, as children, we never dreamt of labor or careers. It was <laughs> our parents that was like, that were like, oh, you know, you got to have a career. What would it be? And you're just like, I'm five. Yeah. I just wanted to escape the bullshit that was the terrible situation i grew up in Mm -hmm. and my one dream was to escape that like any which way i could escape it and one of the ways was moving to a country that i felt safer being myself but there's there's a statistic that says 96 percent of adults are not in the jobs they dreamt of as a child only four percent were successful in making their dream job a reality Ain't that some shit? What was your um childhood dream i wish i could tap back like i'm sure me as a child had much more exciting thoughts than I can actually recall now as an adult. But even looking back, just, man, capitalism has a chokehold on every moment of our entire lives. Yes, it does. Like, before kids are even talking, like, literally a baby will, like, stack up four blocks and they're like, whoa, he's going to be an engineer. (laughs) So, like, when I think back, like, what is my childhood dream? What I remember is it, like, it's very conflated in my mind with adults asking me what my dream job was which I like had an answer to that from a very young age because I was also one of those kids that are like, oh, you're a smart kid, so you're going to go places. You can do anything you want, so you better do one of the three important things we think you should do. I should post a photo of it on our social media because it is lulzy as hell. I still have it. Uh, When I was in first grade, we had to do a project where we made a T-shirt describing our dream job and the steps we would take to get it. And six-year-old me wanted to be a vet um, because... That was something that smart kids did, and I liked animals. And I had not yet learned that vets have to put animals down. Yikes. I think I learned that at seven or eight, and then changed my answer for dream job. <laughs> <laughs> but I have this t-shirt that's literally like Dr. Cutting, veterinarian, and on the back, 
this fucking first grade Christie wrote like, number one, graduate in the top 5% of my high school class. Number two, attend NC State University and get a degree in this. Number three, attend this veterinary school. Like, ooh, that is I sad. hate that for child me. Right. That's very sad. So despite that very depressing but funny story, like I did, I did have like things that were fun childhood dreams. Like we used to play at being the Spice Girls all the time. And like, imagine like me and my sister and our friends and we're like, we were each one of the different Spice Girls. And like, if we were our own Spice Girls, what Spice Girls would we be? <laughs> um, so like there was very much the like, maybe one day I'll be a famous like singer, dancer, actor, even though I never really had any like talents or interests in that area. Slash, if I'm being honest with myself, there's this like little tiny, little tiny part of my like inner child that's like, you know what? I bet I could still do this, except that money and time is a thing. But what I really wanted to be was an author. Like I really thought like that given the right circumstances, I had what it took to be like a famous author. And I loved reading as a kid. I read, I read absolutely nonstop. So like, that's probably the real answer, which like I never felt was sort of an attainable, like it always felt like a dream, like a little too big to actually happen. But, but you know, maybe that's what the teachers in first grade were trying to accomplish when they gave you that stupid assignment, which turned out just worked the opposite. But they're like, Mm -hmm. Oh, let's show you that your dream could be attainable. If you just break it down into smaller steps that, are just smaller goals that you can then visualize and work towards and i get it but still it just forces you to go down this path of this is what my contribution to society is going to be and then how do you work towards it like the whole end goal is for that's the point that i am trying to make yeah which is crazy because kids are so creative i don't know how you could channel that creativity to actually like make a kid's life better to like in the future like actually like channel that imagination towards bringing them to a more fulfilling career slash life path which is why like whenever i see those celebrity kids doing things that the rest of us drag them for or make fun of them for like (laughs) a celebrity kid singing with their parent in the studio i don't know just doing something that we think is just so out of touch. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. that's the parent letting that kid explore whatever it is. And like, I feel like my parents kind of already assumed that I was going to go into sciences for whatever reason, I think. And also, like now that I'm getting older, I'm realizing that I actually wasn't a smart kid. You know how this bullshit that like, <laughs> no, like this bullshit of you just grow up, everybody telling you that you're smart, you're very intelligent, you're smart, you're intelligent, you're brilliant. Because they yeah. equate you being smart to engaging in sciences. If I knew a way to make money doing creative work as an artist, I guarantee you I'm more naturally inclined to go that route. Yeah. But they were like, oh, you know, that's not for the smart kids. Don't do that. And you already told me I'm smart. So I kind of have to just do the things that smart people do to continue to prove that I'm smart. And I still catch myself as an adult running that race, just doing shit to continue to convince people that I'm in fact intelligent. I'm like, I am not intelligent. And I'm tired of fucking (laughs) trying to convince people that I am. It's exhausting. It's, it is exhausting and it's, I mean, you are intelligent, but there's also like, there's different types of intelligence, some of which are highly valued and cultivated and some of which are not valued and not cultivated, especially with like creative talent. Um, and especially with like neurodivergence in kids is really funny. Like, because I feel like it manifests in one of two extremes. Like so many of the like gifted kids is like, oh, this was a mental illness manifesting as like being extremely committed and like extremely into learning something. Or it's like this kid is not smart when in fact the kid is very smart and is mental illness. Like it's like one of two extremes, but like so many of the like gifted kids is like, oh no, this was actually feeding some very unhealthy like ways of thinking and like shoehorning me into like something that's actually not a good fit. There's also like, even as an adult, there's like things you're good at and things that like you enjoy doing. Oh yeah. That like, you happiness there's things i'm really good at that i absolutely hate but like i am good at them like i can execute them well like i but i don't like it it's not the same thing 
in fact, you, you said it a little bit earlier, especially for like big air quotes, smart kids, like doctor, lawyer, engineer, scientist, which like even, even like grouping all of scientist into like, I'm going to be a scientist Don't is like started. such a huge, huge, huge breadth of different careers and different skill sets and different like, but how would you know that as a kid, unless you have adults who can like either like one, give you the tools to like figure it out yourself or two, have enough like life perspective and to like share something like that. I certainly didn't have that as a kid. I had like, you're a smart kid, pick one of the five smart kid careers. Um, <laughs> right. And you know, what I enjoyed doing was like writing and reading, but that was like creative things were not for the smart kids and they would not earn you any money. That was one thing as a kid that I wish I hadn't been so hyper aware of, but I was, was like, I need to make money. Yeah. Whatever I, whatever I do, I would love for it to be a dream, but it needs to make me money. When I tell you com studying computer science, the first time I knew you could do that was when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Same. Same. I didn't know that was a thing people did. I didn't either. I had no idea. Right? If I had known that that was a skill set, before I had done science, I would have done that first. Because like you mentioned, mm -hmm. it was a game of what we knew could be a marketable skill to get money. If I understood mm -hmm. the concept of what that field was and how many applications it could possibly have, that's where I would have gone. Not because I would have thought mm -hmm. that I had a personal knack for it or I could, no, I would have just done it because that would have made me at least a secure living than what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But to that end too, I also feel like with the whole gender thing, like in my country, I couldn't go be a nurse or mm -hmm. like I could, but like it would have been frowned upon because a nurse is a, yeah. you know, a woman's job. You're considered a way too effeminate a man if you do that job. I, what, what the fuck? Or the person who braids hair. I couldn't have been a hairstylist. This is the question asked about careers, but like you it brought up for me, you talking about gender, like aspiring to be a parent. Nobody can do it now because you can't survive and like have a family <laughs> on just one income. But like it was a completely legitimate thing for girls to be like, I'd like to be a stay at home mom. Are you but serious? like, God forbid. A, a, yeah. Oh, yeah. Plenty of people I grew up with were just like, I want to have six kids and be a stay at home mom. But like, God forbid a dad like or a a boy said that they wanted to be right. a dad, like. Which, let me just say it right here on this podcast, since nobody's going to beat my ass. I want to be a stay-at-home dad. Somebody oh who God. has way too much money needs to marry me, and I will take care of adopted kids. Just go ahead. Come on now. Unless someone is absolutely rolling in it, I feel like I don't know any households where they have a long-term, like, stay-at-home parent. Right. Although, also, child care costs, like, oof, we're getting far afield from childhood dreams, but, like, <laughs> Do you know a single person who doesn't work? Not because I'm unemployment or anything, but, like, somebody who, do you know a single person who voluntarily does not work? I don't think I do, no. It was interesting. Like, after college, it felt like there were some people who were, like, really, really struggling to find a job, even though they had a degree. And there were other people who were like, I'm, I can't find a job. But really, they were just, like, hanging out because they had family money. <laughs> right, right, right. But not at this age. Hopefully not at this age. At this age, no. For the most part, at our age, we don't know people who don't work, as in voluntarily. Mm -hmm. Everybody has to fucking go out and earn a living. And then you get married. And then you have a wife and kids. Your wife don't work, so she depends on you. And your kids also don't work, and they depend on you. I don't know a single person of our age group who can comfortably support that. Nope. That American family nope. story, out the window. That's not coming back. Not in our generations. That's not coming back. So, you know, you can't have a single-income household playing these dumb games, having kids starting, being a stay-at-home mom, excuse you. I know. Do you think it is important to love what you do to earn a living? No. It would be nice. It would be nice and it would be ideal. But if you are waiting to love what you do to earn a living, you are going to starve. Cue the hundreds of artists in New York City. Yeah. 
When I tell you those people are so focused on making sure that the work that they do is meaningful and important to them, and that's the only means through which they want to earn a living, their stomachs are growling in New York City. Yeah. This concept of like a dream job or like loving what you do is like toxic and not actually... I don't really know anyone who loves what they do. And the people who do, like the people who I could even maybe lump into that category are absolutely neurotic and obsessed with what they do. Right. Like what they do is everything about them. And they have these crazy work hours and like, I don't want that. I don't want that. No, no. But when we were kids, we were told that because we were smart, we were supposed to be that. And nobody told us the flip side of that, of where if you have a job that you're so invested in that it doesn't leave you space for the rest of your life. And this bullshit of I'm a strong woman and I can have it all. Bitch, I'm a strong man. You know what I don't have? It all. <laughs> it, it all doesn't exist. It all. Period. It comma. Semicolon. Does not exist. Even if you chase half of it all, it is exhausting and it will bury you in the ground no i feel like at this point in my life i'm looking for a career where i like what i do because it is capitalism like i have to do it for a lot of a day i want to find something that suits me well that like you know can i can take a little pride in sometimes that i can like not mind the day-to-day of it but i don't i don't i don't need want think i will love it and nobody like emphasized to me as a kid dreaming about the life we'd want outside of work and like Uh, what that would look like yeah because that's, as an adult, like, that's that's what I want to find, things that I love, like, people that I love. Like, I want to have experiences that I enjoy. Like, I don't, that, that's what's important to me now. I have to earn a living, but, like, right. Be- there was zero focus on how you wanted to enjoy your life. The focus was mm-hmm. always on what can you contribute to society. You just getting a job in society is contributing to society. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to have the job that stresses you out the most for you to fucking be... It has a foot on your neck. You want to feel like you are so much more accomplished than all the, all the other people. Which, by the way, that was another thing. Our parents kind of push us to prove that we are more intelligent than our peers. Almost kind of... I don't know if that happened with you. But where I'm from, your parents would mm-hmm. they'd be like, oh, somebody... So, 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 and so... I grew up in Nigeria, for those of you who don't know. So, and so's son in his school scored the highest entry exam of this and da, 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 and they look at you and they'd be like you know you're going to take the entry exam next year so like mm-hmm. now you already feel the pressure from them comparing you to everybody else's kids and you're just like yep good for them i'm really happy that they scored the highest but like that ain't got shit to do with me and it, none of that was for any of the good reasons it was just so our parents could brag about us yeah 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 Oh my God, now when I see those, like, my kid is an honor student bumper stickers, I'm like, I'm so sorry to your child. Thank God my parents are not that tacky. I would have ripped that shit off the car. But every, t- every time I see those posters and I see the kids run- come out of those cars, I'm just like, your parents are doing a number on you, aren't they? <laughs> those kids are, like, whenever I see somebody who's so eager to be overachieving now, who are just in college or whatever, and I look at them, I'm like, your burnout is near. Uh-huh. And I'm not, I'm not... I'm not being facetious when I'm saying your burnout is near. Uh-huh. So did your parents actively engage you in conversation about your quote unquote dreams? My dad was the first person to put the idea of being a scientist into my head. Just man, kids really do like latch on to whatever you say. Like, I don't know why I have such a vivid memory of it, but just like, I just remember a conversation where my dad was like, you're really, really good with details. I bet you'd make a good scientist, which is such an offhand thing, but something really stuck in my brain of like, oh, an adult has recognized me for being good at details and said that's what scientists are, so I'm going to be a scientist. Yay. <laughs> like, 
Like kids are kids are real impressionable. So like it's good to encourage kids, but it's also, you know, my parents didn't have a very wide variety of well, my mom had a pretty wide variety of life experiences, but none that were especially helpful. <laughs> um, and my dad essentially had the same job almost his whole life. They knew I was smart. I was one of the like smart kids. So they asked me what I wanted to do, but they didn't talk to me a lot about it. And they didn't try and encourage sort of any expansive thinking about it. But they, they did like, you know, recognize like, well, you're smart. You can do whatever you want. Da-da-da. But actively engaged me in conversations, especially. What about you? I would say only to tell me that I'm going to be a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> That's the extent of the engagement. You're going to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. Like, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. But I, and also there's so many types of doctors. I don't even think they knew what the fuck they were pushing me into. They, Because my parents aren't doctors. Yeah. Neither of my parents are doctors. Yep. Which actually just added, you know, let me just drag <laughs> my parents real quick. Drag them. I don't even think any of my parents recommended what they did for a living to their kids. <laughs> You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they, none of them encouraged me to go into what they do for a living. So I was like, "Oh no, so so you don't think I should do that?" But you're doing it, and yeah. like, but it could also just mean that they just knew working for a living was some bullshit. So go pick something that's less miserable yes. than this in their way of showing love. But I'm like, yes, but like, <laughs> but even the conversations were not really conversations. They're like expectations. They're just letting you know yeah. we're not asking you. You're gonna be a doctor. Yeah. We've decided. So chop chop. But also, I remember at the time, I didn't know something in my mind that I wanted to do so much more. Like, because I felt like at that point in my life, I had to feel a conviction about what I wanted to do, if that made sense. I felt the pressure of, oh, at this point in my life, I should already know what I want to do. Yeah. And if I already knew that, and if it was different from what my parents are suggesting, maybe I'll have some backbone to fight them because I feel so strongly Mm -hmm. about something else. But I didn't feel strongly about anything else. I really didn't know. So I was like, sure, I'll do that for now. I know this is not the one, but... I think I can survive it. Let's do it. I also didn't have that, like, passion. I don't think I still do. (laughs) There's some things that I like more than others, and I definitely want to spend more time doing those. But, like, the one absolute thing that I'm like, I would die on this hill? Mm -mm. Do you think you are living your dream? No, I don't. Do you think you are living your dream? No. I think that's both good and bad. Right. Yeah. I don't think I would have known how to dream what I'm doing right now. Mm. And there are things I like about where I'm at right now, and there's things I don't. But, like, as a child, I just didn't have, like... I just didn't have a concept of so many of the things that I, like the place I'm at and the things I'm doing. Like, I, right, right, I don't right. know. Like I wanted to be, I wanted to be a writer as a kid and like was convinced I couldn't make any money doing that and that smart kids didn't go into like creative squishy stuff. So I went into science because I was told that's what I'd be good at and I hated it. And now I'm doing like both science and writing. And like, no, that seems like such a simple combination, but nobody told me, nobody, like I wasn't aware that like, right. oh, hey kid that likes writing, like, you can do, you can write about anything. Writer doesn't just mean you're going to go be a famous novelist. Like there's all kinds of things where you could be a writer. And also like the fact that my personal life is a lot more important to me than my career at this point. Like I'm at the point where I want to start valuing my personal life Mm -hmm. more than all this other bullshit. I don't even know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how to live when I'm not in pursuit of something. Like you're pursuing something and now I'm like, I am tired of that bullshit. Who do I call and say, let's schedule brunch on Saturday? Or who do I call and say, let's plan a trip to go to Dubai? Like, that sounds like such a first world problem I just described. But, <laughs> but like, no. it's, it's, I don't even know how to build that. I will say, though, that on the upside of things, I think the y- younger me would say, yeah, I'm living better than what I could have dreamed. Yeah. The life was rough, not because 
it just was rough. It's not because of, oh, I'm Nigerian. That's very typical of everybody's upbringing. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the one mm-hmm. that I happen to have had was very rough. And yeah. if I juxtapose my life now to my life then, that person would be screaming, howling, wouldn't believe that this is it. Mm. Yeah. And that's the other thing, right? Nobody tells you this. For you to have that life, the one that you dream of, you have to work at it. Everybody always <laughs> makes it seem like if you have tunnel vision focus on your career achievements, that as soon as you got that, all these other things would magically pop in and fall into place. Mm-hmm. And then you grow up and realize, oh, no, 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 no. That never happens. <laughs> all that other shit, you have to have been working on it. Oh, this part rings true. The people who were pushing you to pursue these careers or whatever so they could be proud of your success, I'm noticing now that they themselves had never been successful. So they didn't even know how to navigate and handle a life that was successful, such that when you become successful of what they've pushed you to do, they can't help you navigate that. Yeah. You are there all on your own and you have to figure that shit out too. No, it's true. Why? Like, I just, I look back and I'm like, none of these people had a fucking clue. Maybe (laughs) if they had a clue, they wouldn't have pushed you to go there. If you were a parent, what would you do to help your children achieve their dreams? I mean, I'm sure there's pitfalls in whatever approach I would take. Like, I I wonder if this approach would be too, like, loosey-goosey and lead them to feeling, like, totally lost. But I, I would try and, you know, not make the same mistakes that were made with me and, like, allow them to explore a lot of different things and, like, recognize that I don't know all of the life paths there are and, like, people at their school probably don't. And just, like, I would just try and, like, expose them to as many things as possible, as many, like, people, lifestyles, places, like just get them a better idea of like what the world is and then try and not impose things on them. Like try and notice, notice things that they like, but also not push them super hard. Like notice and encourage, but not like put something on them or like pressure them. That's a lot of what parents don't do is like just give kids space to be like people, like whole people and like recognize who they are as people instead of like Cause like you're guiding them, but like, they're also a whole person on their own. Like you're not like making them, you're guiding them and teaching them. Yeah. What would I do? I don't know. And also I, I, I mean, I would try and avoid the mistakes we all talked about. Like tell them that their career isn't their whole life and like encourage them to keep up with their friendships and like things like that. The thing is, I feel sorry for the kids that I have because a lot of <laughs> these, when I tell you something, I've said it as a joke. I marry somebody who can do the work that I can't do <laughs> because like, my kids need to know how to have friendships, maintain them, how to build community wherever they go. That's not something I can teach. <laughs> and I know that skill is very important for them to survive or at least be somewhere closer in their journey to happiness. That skill is imperative that they have it. So if I can't teach it, I know they're not learning that shit in school. So I better marry somebody who knows that. I need them to have such good perspective on the world. Like not just the one from living in the US. They will have mm-hmm. to. And I, that's not just having bougie kids who travel. No, that's having kids who truly understand how the world works. So I'll at yeah. least expose them to a lot of that. But otherwise, I don't know, man. And I would suck to have a kid who grows up and doesn't achieve their dreams and just doesn't know where they're going. But what I will do is make sure that they don't have to worry about money while they find themselves. Mm. Or at least try to do that. So that concludes our episode on childhood dreams. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Big Empty Verse. Tweet us, message us, let us know what topics you'd like to hear us cover in the future. Next time, we'll be talking about To Be Determined. <laughs> New season, same bullshit. But show up, it's going to be great. So until then, good luck.